just when you thought there was no hope for baby boomers. It's the Rational Boomer Podcast. Logic, common sense, compassion. Yeah, who knew? Now, here's Mike. We are back on the Rational Boomer Podcast. Hopefully your day is going well. Man, it got to be a hot one yesterday in Minnesota. It was up to like 90 degrees, which was surprising. We thought maybe 70, 75, but not 90. But here's what you'll never hear me do. I will never, ever bitch about the heat. Now, as I get older, the heat is harder to take, but I will never, ever bitch about the heat. Because not so long ago, I was bitching about the cold. Now I'm just getting what I ask for. So I got to learn to deal with it. And I do. And at least with the heat, you can go out on the boat. You can take a walk. You can go into an air-conditioned theater or sit at home in central air. Whatever it is, you have a way out. They always say if it's too cold, you just put on more clothes. I don't like that fucking idea. I don't like wearing 15 layers of clothes just to stay alive. So the heat, for me is much better. Like I say, though, as I get older, it's tougher to take. I always heard old people say that, oh, I can't handle this hot weather. Well, I can handle it. I just don't necessarily enjoy it quite as much as I did when I was younger. All right, we're going to get started here, and we have a a couple of emails, but both emails are from the same guy. His name is Eric. First one goes like this. This one's kind of lengthy, but he goes into details about AR-15s. And given the shooting in Texas, this is very apropos. He says, hey, Mike, always a great podcast. Your idea to have guest listeners on is nothing less than brilliant. It let us know that you're like us, except with more motivation and a podcast. Well, that's kind of true. It's not brilliant. It's not at all brilliant. It's actually kind of lazy. I don't want to track down other people to interview because I don't know of anybody else that interests me. The people that listen to the show, they do interest me. And it's not really a brilliant or new idea. As I've told you in the past, I used to work in the radio business. And for a period of time, I worked in the call-in talk show type of radio programs for a time as a producer and for a time as the host. So, This is very similar to that, except instead of taking a number of different callers in a period of an hour, we're dealing with just one caller or one listener. And uh, as far as I'm concerned, the listeners have uh, better information, they are more trustworthy, and I'd much rather be talking to the listeners. So it is a good idea. I don't know as I'd go as far as a brilliant idea. And as far as understanding now that I'm just like you, that should never have been thought of any differently. I am just a guy just like you or or just like the gals out there. I'm just, I'm normal. I don't do anything extraordinary. I just happen to talk a lot and, and have some experience in radio. So this is why I do this. But here's the important thing to remember. No matter who you see on television, on radio, uh, in the movies, or on the internet, they aren't better than you. They are no different than you. In many ways, they're sometimes worse than you. This is the problem. We put people on a pedestal, whether they be politicians, movie stars, rock stars, uh, whatever. 
we shouldn't put these people on the pedestals that they're on because we really don't know who these people are. I've met some famous people in my life, and those people aren't actually how we necessarily perceive them. Now, that doesn't mean they're all going to be worse than how we perceive them. Some of them are actually better. But uh, what you're seeing or what you're hearing is all just a show. I've said this before about um, Rush Limbaugh, um, Sean Hannity, all these people. What you're watching is simply a show. That's not who they really are necessarily. They're putting on a show with the intention of getting listeners or viewers and ultimately selling advertising and making money. They'll put on whatever kind of show they need to put on in order to get your attention. So nobody's any better than anybody else. Nobody should be put on a pedestal. We're just different people doing different jobs. All right, let's get down to what he was talking about here. Regarding guns and specifically the AR-15 design, if there were an angle to the question, the necessity for a human killing machine, this could be the halogen tool that's needed to breach the topic. It's based on the original purpose of the gun design and difficult to argue against it. Original design. I believe that the first step is focusing upon the inarguable facts, the AR-15's original design solution. Good designs solve problems. One problem was that the military weapons were heavy and unwieldy, and the AR-15 solved that problem. The weapon needed to be to use readily available and or NATO interchangeable ammunition, and the AR-15 solved that problem. Those are the good solutions, and it's reflected in the design. So the intention of this was to be a military weapon. He goes on to say, ask yourself, why was the 12-gauge shotgun originally designed that way? Why was the 22 bolt bolt-action rifle originally designed that way? Why was the 9mm parabellum pistol originally designed that way? Each gun is a very different in their solution to a problem. They differ in their specifically conceived purposes. If asked why the AR-15 rifle was designed, most people would be correct if they answered truthfully. Except that there's a chronic problem and... With actual or contrived ignorance, when people think they are wrong, but too prideful to admit it, so they lie. Some people will lie to you with a big smile, claiming that the AR-15 is just a sporting rifle. Yet, side by side, it looks exactly like the military assault rifle with select fire, which was very specifically designed to fire projectiles down a range, and through an enemy combatant's body as fast as possible, thus solving a specific problem. Now, the military AR with select fire allows the user to fire bullets in three different formulas. Fully automatic. That means you pull the trigger, you hold the trigger, and it just keeps shooting bullets. Semi-automatic. This means you pull the trigger, and every time you pull the trigger, a bullet goes, and you don't have to do anything like with a bolt action or anything like that. And then number three was the three-round burst. You pull the trigger, three bullets go out, it stops. The civilian AR-15 sporting model is only semi-automatic. The 30-round ammo magazines are interchangeable, as is the scope, bayonet, dildo mount. I don't even know what that is. 
sounds weird, a flashlight or anything else mounted to the rifle as they share the very same tactical rails. They fire the very same bullets. They require the same maintenance and they require the same classification as an unnecessary rifle for a normal citizen in any town. I'm sorry that it's come to this, but the cosplay cosplay captains, captains have ruined it for everyone again. I'm okay with some military owning the gun. I'm okay with some law enforcement owning the gun. And even a few grown-up citizens with proper training owning the gun, but not a fucking kid. Not a kid who would pay the absolute highest auto insurance rates in America because actual science has proven that they don't have access to the brain capacity for rational, thoughtful choices. Good comparison. I was 18. My insurance was crazy fucking high. And why? Well, because I was 18. 18 year olds don't think as well as a 35 year old or a 45 year old. It's a disease I've always uh, suggested that uh, teens and early 20s men have, and that is uh, a higher level of testosterone than intellectual capacity, meaning their passion or their testosterone takes off, and then they think about it later. Eric goes on, please don't be mistaken. The exquisite design of the AR-15 was originally designed to kill other humans, not a deer, not coyotes, not wild pigs, but human beings. Here in the United States, those people are our fellow Americans. People are lying if they say the gun was designed for anything else. The truth is so easily accessible to those who would dare to look. Sadly, the lies Republicans uh, tell themselves are the lies that ultimately destroy this country. As always, Mike, thank you for your time, Eric. Now, he sent another email. I got two emails, both from Eric. This one's much shorter. Uh, It says, hey, Mike, sorry, it's me again. The idiots despise the truth that you spit. I still love your podcast, but be cautioned. I'm building up confidence to ask for my cameo appearance, LOL. For the last week, I've been calling them Republicans. I don't know if I'm pronouncing that right, because from my little bit of German training back in middle school, what he does is he has Republicans, but with a U after the R, and it has what the German language calls an umlaut. I don't know if it is an umlaut, and I don't remember what an umlaut does to change the sound. I forgot about that shit. It was 45 years ago, more than that. He says, used in a sentence, only the Republicans would totally block aid for Ukrainian people and American infants. Spread the word. Well, Eric, thank you for that. You know, I I get a lot of people, the trolls will come in and they'll say, well, that's not even a Uh, assault rifle, that's not this, that's not that, and then they go on to explain why it's not. None of it ever makes any sense. None of it it is shit I want to hear. So I thank you, Eric, for explaining what an AR-15 is, where it came from, what it was meant to do. And, and I think all these folks that are looking for some kind of gun control are absolutely right when they call it an assault rifle. Now, they'll say to me, there's no such thing as an assault rifle. Well, I'm not worried about the specific 
real term. It is what it's said to be. It's a rifle, and it's intended to assault human beings. And I think Eric laid it out for us very well right there. And Eric, I don't know why you'd be afraid uh, afraid to come on the show. I know you're nervous about it, uh, but you're getting closer and closer to coming on. You should. You wrote a hell of an email. You're obviously a literate man, so why not come on? I mean, this is a safe place. You and I are of a, of a like mind. And keep in mind, this is what I would always tell people. I used to own a recording studio. And when I get inexperienced in, they'll say, you can edit this, right? I go, sure, I can edit it all day. I can make you sound better than ever. Now, when I brought people in, I never edited because I never needed to. But they needed to know that in the back of their head so they could feel comfortable doing it. Um, but Eric, you, you shouldn't have any problems. We've had pretty good luck with our listeners calling in, and uh, I'm looking forward to doing more. So if you're out there and have a mind to come on the show and talk about whatever you want to talk about, I'm in. I always kid and say, this is my show. I'll do whatever I want. The fact is, it's all of our show. It's like what I've said about Rational Boomer. Some people will identify me as the Rational Boomer. I am not the Rational Boomer. I'm a Rational Boomer, just like all of you are out there. You're just as important to this as I am. Because I could sit here speaking to nothing and nobody, and it wouldn't mean a thing. It doesn't mean a thing until I have listeners like yourself and like you, Eric. So don't think twice about it. Send me an email. Let's talk. All right, let's get to some news. It's, you know, it's Sunday, so it's a little more low-key than other days. Um, According to a report from the New York Times, former President Donald Trump is uh, getting a little nervous, a little anxious that his grip on the Republican Party is starting to slip away, and he's started to push his aides to be ready to launch his third run for the presidency as early as this summer. Now think about this. The election for president isn't until 2024. That's two years away. He wants to start the campaign this summer. Now that works against him in one way. The moment he announces he's running for president, all this money he's grifting, he has to be accountable for. Well, he hasn't done that in the past, so maybe he thinks he can just slip it by. Now, as the Times' Maggie Haberman and and, uh, Shane Goldmacher wrote, every time a high-profile GOP candidate uh, that the former president endorsed loses, it is a real-time demonstration of his influence waning with conservative voters. And his enemies within the Republican Party are taking notice. I've said this before. It's taken a lot longer than I imagined. But the fact is, is that he is um, he is seeing it slip away, and this is worrisome for him. And some people think it's just because he wants to be president in 2024. But the other thing that's hanging over his head, of course, is that uh, once he loses power in the Republican Party and they don't fight for him anymore, he's got a lot of investigations, potential indictments. They're all hanging over his head. And while it's troublesome with the Republican support, without it, he's fucking done. 
And he knows this. He needs to stir up the interest and excitement again because it's starting to fall away. Now, as the Time report states, after the first phase of the primary season that concluded on Tuesday, a month in which a quarter of America's states cast their ballots, the verdict has become pretty clear. Mr. Trump's aura of untouchability in the Republican politics has been, well, as they said in the article, punctured. The mounting losses have emboldened Mr. Trump's rivals inside the party to an extent not seen since early 2016 and increased the chances that should he run again in 2024, he could face some serious competition. He's not going to run again, but if he did, what they're suggesting is that uh, some people might think they can beat him. And the idea that Donald Trump would be the candidate for the Republican Party is not a foregone conclusion. As I've said, after all that goes down that's ahead of us in the between now and the midterms, I wouldn't be surprised if the Republican Party says, yeah, we want no part of this guy. He's not going to help us win in 2024. Now, what should be concerning to the former president is a former advisor to his first campaign. Ex-rep, he's no longer a rep, Jack Kingston from Georgia. He admitted to the Times, I think a non-Trump with an organized campaign, would have a chance. Now, additionally, the Times reports Trump's fundraising has slowed with an analysis showing his average daily online contributions have dropped for seven consecutive months. Every month, he's getting less money. Now, he's growing weaker. Conservatives are looking for the next horse to bet on, with uh, Florida Governor Ron DeSantis leading the pack and former Vice President Mike Pence becoming more active. I don't know that he's a real real candidate ever. That combination of factors has Trump getting antsy about stealing back the limelight. According to the Times, the difficult primary season has added to Mr. Trump's personal anxieties about his standing. And, and let's face it, this fucker's paranoid. After he has sought to fashion himself as some kind of old-school party boss or kingmaker, he has told advisors he wants to declare his candidacy or possibly launch an exploratory committee this summer. Now, most of Mr. Trump's advisors believe he should wait until after the midterm elections to announce a candidacy. Yet the sense among Republicans that Mr. Trump has lost political alt- altitude, that's, that's starting to take hold, including among some of those very close to them. They're seeing that uh, uh, he's, he's slipping here a bit. The Times reported report continued before adding, numerous Republican strategists have argued that Mr. Trump's continued obsession over the 2020 election is an unwanted distraction in 2022. When Democrats hold the levers of power in Washington and polls show most of the country feels like the nation is moving in the wrong direction. So Donald Trump is getting nervous. There's, as I say, a few reasons for this. Donald Trump is an attention whore. He's like every other narcissist. When attention starts to slip away, he will do something or say something to try to get that attention back. Donald Trump isn't a real politician. He's a media whore. So when media whores look at this, they aren't looking at votes as much as attention. 
and he knew when he was president he could say something outrageous, and while that might make some people mad, it would garner some attention for him. And that's all he knows how to play this game. It's about getting attention. If he can get attention, then he can start spewing his shit. And you have to understand that Donald Trump believes he's a masterful orator. He thinks he can talk anybody into anything, that he can talk large crowds into believing whatever bullshit he decides to troll out. So Donald Trump is seeing a problem that I think we all knew was coming ultimately. Donald Trump would not hold power over the Republican Party for eternity or at least the extent of his life. With his behavior, his activities, his corruption, his criminality, eventually it's going to fade away. And I honestly believe that the midterms are going to be the turning point, if not the end. Now, as they're saying, he's endorsing Republican candidates in the primaries. Some of them got in, and a lot of them didn't. So it would suggest his power, his value, with a campaign isn't quite as good as he once thought. But you have to remember, this is doubly bad for Donald Trump because he's endorsing Republicans who are going against other Republicans. So what's that tell you? That tells you the Republican Party is split between those that like Donald Trump and those that fucking hate Donald Trump. And that's a problem for Donald Trump. They need a unified party, and that's the last thing that the Republican Party is at this point. You have the far-right radicals, the trump the base. You have the more moderate, normal people. I know they're few and far between, but they exist. And then there's that kind of middle group that vote Republican because they've always voted Republican, but are now getting a little fed up and a little concerned about being attached to some of the criminality, the corruption, and the bad decisions that Donald Trump made. So now they have to make a choice. I don't know that they would pick voting Democrat over Republican, but it might be hard for them to stomach voting for somebody of Donald Trump's ilk. The conspiracy theories, the QAnon, the big lie, the corruption, the criminality, overturning elections, fake electors. These people don't want to be attached to that kind of thing. So they're going to step away from Donald Trump. I mean, in all honesty, I hope Donald Trump runs in 2024. I really do, because there's no way he's going to win. He lost the last election by 7 million votes. Between now and 2024, all this information from the January 6th committees going to come out. The investigation into Atlanta will be in trials at some point in the next couple of years. The um, just even the New York situation, even if it's just the civil aspect of it with Attorney General Letitia James, that is going to cost him immensely. Everybody's worried about him getting indicted, indicted here, indicted there. Don't worry about all the indictments. All we really need is one indictment, and then the bricks will start to crumble. We just need one indictment. And, and, of course, you've got the uh, uh, Presidential Records Act. He, he most certainly will likely be indicted and go on trial for that. That may be the easy one for them to get because the penalty's not very severe and it could be set aside. 
the big factor is, uh, something that I think the Republicans would want to, the big factor of being convicted of that crime is that you never will be allowed to run for any elected office again. As much as the Democrats don't want to see that, I think the Republicans, a vast majority of the Republicans, don't want to see him run again. They don't see him as an asset anymore. He's becoming more of a liability. And as I said, when the midterms come, he supported certain people in the Republican Republican Party for the Republican primaries. But now when we get to the general election, this is going to be different. He's going to endorse every can every Republican candidate going into the general election. And I wouldn't be surprised if I saw Mitch McConnell, um, uh, Kevin McCarthy, or any of these Republicans saying, yeah, no, don't do that. Don't do that. You're not helping us. But, of course, Donald Trump, when he hears this, he'll definitely do it. That's what Donald Trump does. He goes against other people's advice. It always gets him in trouble. But he continues to do it because he thinks he's smarter than everybody else. Well, after all these years, we know now he is not smarter than everybody else. And as I've said before, let him talk. Let him run wild. Because the more he does, the more he fucks himself over. All right, let's take a quick break. And uh, we will be right back. On every show, I tell you that if you have questions, comments, or complaints, Just reach out to me at rationalboomer at gmail.com. Those emails come directly to me, and your input is crucial to this show. The show is called Rational Boomer Podcast, but that's not to suggest that I'm the Rational Boomer. I am not. I am simply a Rational Boomer. All of you are Rational Boomers. Anybody of a like mind is a Rational Boomer. Strength comes in numbers and not through an individual. You have perceptions and insights that may have never occurred to me. This isn't a show about me. This is a show about us and gaining a voice in this country. There's 70 million baby boomers in this country. Yeah, I know the younger folks would prefer to push us aside. Every generation has done that. But we are a formidable force if we can get together and speak in one voice. This is why I encourage you to let your friends and family know about the Rational Boomer podcast, not to satisfy my ego, but to give us more power, a stronger voice to help right this ship we call the United States of America. Lastly, I'm offering the opportunity for my listeners to be on the show. Now, it could be two minutes, it could be a half hour, it could be the whole fucking show. I'd much rather have you on the show than somebody pimping a podcast or a book. I want to hear what you think. I want to know what you know. The Rational Boomer Podcast is all about us. So we're getting little teasers or rumors or leaks or whatever you want to call it from the Biden administration regarding the student loan forgiveness. We've been hearing about this for months. Nothing has been done about it. Now, I have to cut them a little slack, of course, because we got a lot of other shit going on, too. But at some point, they've got to make good on this promise. Now, in these leaks, they're suggesting that Joe Biden and the administration is leaning toward that $10,000 amount that Joe Biden spoke of when this whole conversation started. Now, you're probably saying to yourself, does that mean that's a done deal? He's going to forgive some loans, but only up to $10,000. Is that a done deal? And I will tell you, no, it's not a done deal. I'll tell you what the Democrats and Joe Biden's administration are doing. 
You got to remember, while the Democrats at this point appear much better than the Republicans, they are still just politicians. So what they are doing is they're throwing that out there to see how people react. Because ultimately, they only want to give you as much as they can get away with and still have you happy. So they're throwing out the $10,000 amount to get people in an uproar. And if it gets bad enough, then they say, okay, we're going to have to come back with something else. Now, if I'm looking at this situation, to me, it would seem like um, it would end up being somewhere between 10000 and 50000 50000 is what Congress wants, at least the progressives want, and Joe Biden only wants to do $10,000. So since Joe Biden is known as a compromiser, Mr. Bipartisan, and Congress is supposed to be a body that negotiates and compromises, it would only make sense that they will ultimately come back with somewhere in the middle, twenty, twenty-five, thirty thousand dollars $30,000. That's my guess. It won't be $50,000, and it won't be $10,000. Now, I might be wrong about that. I have been wrong on occasion. But I'll say this. If after all this time, the uh, Democrats and Joe Biden come back and say, yep, that's what we're going to do, we're going to forgive $10,000 worth of loans for everybody that's qualified. Now, keep in mind, there are specific qualifications, apparently, Either you have to make under one hundred and fifty or one hundred and twenty-five thousand dollars, and that may work. They may it may not, but I don't know why you would discriminate against people who made more money. Um, they paid just as much for college, and the point of it isn't to give um, give a gift to these people. There is a reason to do this economically. It's going to be a boon for the economy. But if they come back and they say, yep, we're going to give you $10,000, I'm going to be immensely disappointed in Joe Biden, the Biden administration, and I'm going to lose a lot of respect for them. We learned a big lesson during the COVID relief bill. You give the middle class money and the economy takes off. So why not take note of that and put that on the table when you're deciding what you're doing with student loans as well? Now, giving $10,000, that's nice, but it's not as nice as $50,000. And that $10,000 really doesn't impact the economy like a bigger amount would. I mean, I've said all along, one of the problems with these ridiculous loans, the interest rates they're at, and, uh, and uh, how expensive it is to go to college, you've got entire generations saddled with immense debt, and they have to go on after us and try to lead their lives. Unfortunately, these people won't qualify for home loans, car loans. They will struggle to make their payments. And taking $10,000 out of their loans won't really amount to much. I mean, think of it this way. Say you need to go buy Hamburger Helper. But you're lucky enough to have a coupon that gives you 20% off. Well, that's nice, but it's not a fucking big deal. doesn't make the dinner any less expensive, except for the 20%. So that's the same thing if they decide to only take 10% off of these loans. That's going to be very disappointing. And it is a fucking dumb move by Joe Biden and the Biden administration. And I'll tell you why. One of the reasons you do something for the people is to garner some votes. And we have a midterm election now. 
We have a lot of millennials and some Gen Zers that are going to be voting, maybe for the first time. You have to give them a reason to vote in the first place, and then you have to give them a reason to vote for you. Giving them $10,000 off their loans, they might be happy about that to an extent, but they're going to be mad because you've already talked about the prospect of 50000 from the Congress, but you dropped it down to the bare minimum. This isn't going to get you votes in November. And isn't this part of the reason we would do this? First, for the economy. Second, for the people saddled with these loans. But third, you've got to create some goodwill or some motivation for these people to, to vote for you. If you give them just the bare minimum, they're probably going to be pissed and work against you when it comes to you looking for votes in the midterms. So, we will see what happens when they announce this. I don't know when it'll be. It'll be sometime soon. But keep in mind, Congress is on vacation for fucking 10 days. I have a feeling he's going to want them around when they announce it. So we're now we're probably two weeks up. Maybe he'll do it while they're gone. Maybe they'll come back to a special session or whatever. But the fact is, this isn't going to be a bill. This isn't going to be something that goes through the House and then goes through the Senate. So we won't have to dick around with that stuff. More than likely, it's going to be an executive order. Joe Biden's going to say, this is what it is, signed it, done deal, that's the way it goes. So it's going to be interesting to see how this all shakes out. But the fact of the matter is, um, they're trying to set you up to get ready for it. And they're trying to test you to see what you would say about it being $10,000. Now, there's been a lot of backlash, a lot of kickback, but we should all be angry about that prospect. I mean, we're looking at a midterm, and this midterm is going to either save democracy or we're going to lose democracy. This is no time, no time to be weak or indecisive or being a pussy about this. This is the time when the Democrats need to fight like hell, go after this, be aggressive, be assertive, and win this fucking midterm election. It's not only their jobs that are in the balance, but the, 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 the essential government of this country. So this is the time to fight. If the Republicans were ever, or Democrats were ever going to fight, this is the time. Now, if Joe Biden and the Democrats decide not to fight, I don't know what to do with that, because now we have nobody we can count on. All we can hope for is maybe some kind of middle ground party to make its way through, because the Republicans will be essentially gone, and then maybe we can do something with that. The important thing to remember here is, whatever politicians tell you, whether they be Democrat or Republican, Take it with a grain of salt, because these fuckers lie all the time. They will tell you what you want to hear in hopes to get your vote, and then they will disappoint you after the fact. Hopefully Joe Biden and Congress, the Democratic Congress, are smarter than that when it comes to the student loan forgiveness. But we will see. You know, I was looking at the way things are going in this country, and I decided, you know, Our society is literally fucked. It's not even just the government. It's the people in this country, the way they look at things, and the fact that they have the attention span of a gnat. Now, not so long ago, 
Not so long ago, we had an 18-year-old white supremacist walk into a grocery store in Buffalo, New York. He shot 13 people, killed 10 people. Of those 10 people, eight of them were people of color. And everybody was upset. Everybody was gathering around the people in Buffalo trying to help. They were struggling. They were stressed out. They were scared. And the country focused on them and trying to help them. But then just a few days later, we have another 18-year-old fucking idiot that walks into a school and kills 19 children and two adults and wreaks terror throughout that small city of Uvalde, Texas. So now what happens? Now the attention is taken away from Buffalo. Now it's focusing on Uvalde, Texas and the poor children that were murdered. But here's the deal. The people in Buffalo, it wasn't that long ago this happened, and they are still struggling. They are still scared. They're still upset. They still need help. But this country, this society is so fucked that we have this short attention span. We're all worried about Buffalo, but now it's Uvalde, Texas. Now, I'm not begrudging the attention to the situation in Uvalde, Texas. In fact, I, I, I couldn't imagine any less attention or help being offered there, regardless of the circumstances. But we know this country, and we know the people in this country. We know our politicians and how they will message this whole situation. So we're concerned about the 19 kids that were killed in Texas. But what happens when we get another shooting someplace else? Now our attention from Texas will move to wherever this next spot is, and the people in Buffalo are left out on the fucking curb. You see how fucked up that is? You see the problem here? And if this is who we are, that should tell us what we need to do. We can't keep bopping around the country and protecting people for the time frame we have attention on a given tragedy. What we need to do is fucking stop the tragedies. That's what we need to fucking do. And that means... Guns, nothing else other than guns and people, too. I know guns don't kill people. People do. And uh, the Trump fucks always tell me that. And they always shut up when I said, well, then you're for background checks. Well, no. OK, well, then that's bullshit. But we need the background checks. We need the national gun registration. We need licensing. We need training. We need limitations on who can get what. 18-year-old kids who can't buy liquor or cigarettes should not be able to buy a uh, semi-automatic killing machine. And as I was talking about with the Eric, the uh, gentleman that sent the email, and I hadn't thought about this, but he said, if you're 18 years old and you've got a car and you've got to get insurance, your insurance is really high. Not because you're necessarily a bad driver, but because you're fucking 18 and we know you aren't thinking straight half the time. You're going to race down streets. You're maybe going to drink and drive. So you're a bigger risk and those insurance premiums are going to be higher. And frankly, there should be insurance tied to the guns, too. There's just as much possibility that there could be an accident and somebody killed. So why would you not have insurance on it? We can't keep bouncing around the country looking at all these tragedies and saying, woe is me, and then, oops, there's another one. Because people get left behind, people that need help, people that are in tragic situations. 
But since we can't pay attention to everybody at one time, then we need to stop them altogether. And again, it goes back to guns. They have to be regulated. They have to be restricted. And the people that buy them have to be restricted. You know, it's interesting now that we bring this up, of course, just days after the shooting in Texas, the NRA had planned a convention in Houston, Texas. Now, the right thing would do is say, you know, this is a tragic deal. This isn't a good look. We'll just cancel it or postpone it for now. Not the NRA. They looked at this as an opportunity to have their convention and start screaming and yelling about um, taking away our guns and, and gun rights and all this sort of stuff. Now, a lot of people pulled out, some entertainers, some speakers pulled out, politicians who are speakers. But guess who didn't pull out? Donald Trump. Nope, Donald Trump did not pull out of this, and he spoke. And as he so often does, he made a fucking fool of himself, and he looked like an idiot doing it. Now, his suggestion, and we've talked about this before on the podcast, his suggestion uh, to the problem with these schools shooting is to harden the schools, as he calls it, or as they all call it. And that what means basically making the school hermetically sealed so nobody can get in, having armed guards, armed teachers and staff, and protecting the kids inside. Now, that's well and good, but it's like sending your kid to a maximum prison, maximum security prison. Kids should not have to be doing that, and it's not addressing the issue. It's not addressing the shooter and or the gun. It's basically saying, we know the guns are out there, we know the shooters are out there, so we just have to fortify a building so our kids don't get shot. You see how fucked up that is? We should be addressing the shooters and the guns, and then allowing the kids to lead free lives. Here's what I find most ironic about Donald Trump's resolution to this gun shooting in schools. He wants to lock the kids down to keep them safe. He's all for that. But ironically, not that long ago, he was against locking people down to keep them safe from COVID, from the pandemic. He was against that. We need our freedom. We need to do this. But now when it comes to kids, his only resolution is to lock them down, lock them in tight, protect them like it's Fort Knox. See, it's a contradiction, and that's the problem with Donald Trump. Everything he says is a fucking contradiction. He doesn't, he just says whatever he has to say, whatever he pulls out of his ass. And as you listen to these Republicans, they will say anything, literally, no matter how stupid, they will say anything, but they won't say you can't, that, that we should be doing something with guns. They just won't say it because they've got too much money coming into their pockets from the NRA and other gun lobbies. <clears throat> Last thing Donald Trump did, this is ironic, you know, after this shooting and him telling we need to hermetically seal the kids in school, he thought it was important to talk about himself and all the great things he would do should he become president again. And he was talking about the riots that we had with George Floyd and the Black Lives Matter and such. And he says, you know, I would do something different if I became president again. I was too nice in that situation. 
if I'm president again and we have problems with riots and things like that for whatever reason, I'm going to come down harder on them, basically suggesting I'll get violent with them. Well, isn't that fucking interesting? You just talked about a violent incident in Uvalde, Texas. And now you say, if I come back, we're going to have more fucking violence. We had the insurrection, but we're not going to let those black or brown people protest, even though they might be mistreated. And if they do, we're going to turn it into a violent situation. This is who this fuck is. He's a fucking idiot. Now, speaking of the convention, the NRA convention, here's something that's kind of interesting. Security guards at the National Rifle Association's NRA annual convention at Houston blocked a small group of Proud Boy extremists from entering the security perimeter Saturday at George R. Brown Convention Center, um, which I find interesting. I mean, they um, enlisted the Proud Boys to be part of the insurrection. They were on the same team. They were buddies. They were pals. But yeah, we're not letting them in to the national convention for the NRA. The security agents told the Washington Times that the NRA officials directed them not to allow Proud Boys through the gate. The group walked away in their signature yellow and black clothing toward the gun control protesters on the other side of the street, and Houston police established a hard barrier dividing them. The NRA did not return any request for comments. Now, a Houston TV station, KHOU11, reported that Law enforcement broke up multiple arguments between Proud Boys and gun control protesters who were across the street from the convention at Discovery Green. Now, fencing had been erected to keep the two sides apart. On Twitter, freelance journalist Stephen Monticelli posted a video of a brief confrontation in which he said showed the Proud Boys using homophobic slurs to to provoke the protesters. Do these Proud Boys not fucking learn a lesson? Do they not learn a fucking lesson? I mean, a bunch of these guys are going to jail for the insurrection. So they come out to this event and they start arguments with anti-gun or gun control people. The stupidity is palpable. The stupidity is amazing. These fuckers are not going to stop until they're all in fucking jail. Now, as we speak about dumb fuckers, let's talk about Senator Ted Cruz. Now, he was fresh off the stage at the National Rifle Association's convention. He sat down to a sushi dinner that was interrupted on Friday by a fellow Texan who confronted the Republican lawmaker over his hardline stance on firearms three days after 21 people were gunned down at the elementary school. Now, the end of the confrontation saw the man shouting above security officers walking toward him at the door. Security pushed him out. The man yelled out, 19 children died. That's on your hands. Ted Cruz, that's on your hands, he said in the video. The man's name was Benjamin Hernandez. He, uh, he was in Houston because his digital advertising company was live streaming the protest staged outside the convention. When he saw Cruz walk into the same restaurant where he was having dinner, Hernandez says, I thought, oh, hell no. 
couple of days ago. I had caught the clip of Beto O'Rourke confronting Texas Governor Greg Abbott, and I wrote something to the effect of, confront all these hypocritical assholes like Beto did. Like I've said, too, you need to confront these people. You need to make their lives miserable. They've made poor decisions that have cost people lives. They deserve that kind of attention. And then he went on to say, and it's real easy to tweet, right? But then two days later, Ted Cruz is walking in this space where I am, and it's like, okay, I have to go talk to him now. Although other Republican lawmakers dropped out of the NRA event after the shooting in Uvalde, Texas, Cruz kept his scheduled appearance, of course he did, delivering a speech where he argued guns were not to blame for the deadly incident. Now at the restaurant, Hernandez, I love this part of it, Hernandez pretended to pose for a picture with his arm around Cruz while a friend began serotypously, why why can't I say that? (laughs) Secretly. (laughs) Recording a video that captured him turning to Cruz to talk about gun policy after the fake photo. He said, you know, I would encourage you I gave about a half-hour speech today at the NRA convention. I encourage you to watch it. Cruz can be heard saying to this man. Hernandez, speaking quickly, implores him to explain his stance on gun control in the wake of the Uvalde shooting where 19 children, two adults were killed. Background checks. Is that so hard, the man said. Cruz glances back at the person filming, appearing to realize now what's going on, and then tells Hernandez, okay, you don't want to listen. Hernandez then stops speaking, allowing Cruz to say that Democrats' proposals, which he did not define, would not have stopped the shooter. 18-year-old Salvador Ramos, who died at the scene, he was killed, uh, waited until his birthday to illegally buy two AR-15s, and then more than 1,600 rounds. This is what's going to happen. Whether it be overturning Roe v. Wade or gun control, these are trigger issues for a lot of people, and rightfully so. This is about constitutional rights and the killing of children. The ironic thing is they're claiming that overturning Roe v. Wade will save the children, but when it comes to children dying in schools because of gun laws or lack of gun laws that they've created, they're okay with it. So as I've said before, it's not about saving the children or saving grade school kids or anything else. It's about power, control, and money. That's all they fucking care about. They don't care about you. And if you're a Republican that wants to vote for these people thinking something else, you are being hoodwinked. All right, now one more thing here I find interesting. Uh, The Georgia probe into Donald Trump's bombshell demand that the state official, Raffensperger, find him more votes after the 2020 presidential election now ramping up and could expand into consideration of racketeering charges over various GOP attempts to upend the vote. It wasn't just Donald Trump. It was Lindsey Graham and some other folks that were um, trying to get this overturned. Now, as many as 50 witnesses are expected to be called before a special grand jury criminal investigation into Republican election interference after Trump lost the presidential election in that state. Fulton County District Attorney 
Fannie Willis has put off stepping on the gas until after the primary elections, which makes sense. Now, based on her pugnacity, it looks like it's full steam ahead. A lawyer whose client has been contacted by Willis investigators told Yahoo News she's much more aggressive and determined than I expected. Now, Georgia Secretary of State Brad Raffensperger won the GOP primary despite a strong endorsement from Trump for the Jovi or the rival Jody Heiss. Raffensperger is the very official whom Trump pressured on the phone to find him enough votes to make him a winner in Georgia after the election was over and the votes were already counted. Trump said, fellas, I need 11,000 votes. Give me a break. And, of course, Raffensperg denied him. Donald Trump got angry with him, and then he endorsed his competitor in the Republican primary. So at least if Raffensperger does get voted in again, he will be able to try to be decent and legal about it as opposed to being uh, pressured by the Republican Party. And... Uh, We'll see. The whole situation in Georgia could be interesting. Raffensperger wins or maybe a Democratic attorney general wins. Say Stacey Abrams wins the governorship. And say Raphael Warnock um, uh, beats um, his opponent for the Senate seat. That's going to make Georgia terribly fucking blue. Terribly blue. And it comes comes at a good time. I haven't finalized anything. We haven't even, we're just getting started on it. Uh, but we live in Minnesota. And there's one area of the country we absolutely love, Savannah. Um, and my wife and I have been talking about this. Um, some money that my wife invested, we want to keep it protected from having the government take it away. So we've been talking about buying like a little condo down in Savannah because there's so many things near it. There's Tybee Island, there's Charleston, there's Hilton Head and Savannah itself. So it would be a nice spot. All my family loves that area. And if we had a little place, they could all go down at different times or my wife and I can go down at different times. So I'm hoping that the state gets bluer than it already is. Because uh, should we move down there, I'm going to be, I'm going to stick out like a sore thumb, you know. There's going to be a lot of Trump humpers. If they want to talk politics with me in Georgia, it could be a little problem. I think my wife will put a leash on me so that I don't. But that's all preliminary stuff. We haven't made any decisions. We're going to go down there and take a look around in a week or two and just see what comes up. But uh, <laughs> I could have some uh, skin in the game in Georgia. I wouldn't be uh, somebody who could vote down there. Of course, I have to vote here in Minnesota. But it could be interesting. Anyway, let's wrap up the Rational Boomer podcast. I hope you have a great day. I hope all things are going well for you this Sunday. And, of course, we'll be back again Monday to start out yet another week. So have a great day. We'll see you soon. Thanks for listening to the Rational Boomer podcast. Don't forget to subscribe so you don't miss an episode. We'll see you next time.